Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 26. Um, my name is Scroobius Pip. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a great guest this week. It's Mr. Wes Borland. Um, again, I, it's been been weird. There's been a few that we've done recently. Um, Frank Turner, Billy Bragg, and now Wes, that I felt that for some reason, these could have just gone on for hours and hours. It was the most comfortable and natural. And all of them have been good. I've enjoyed all of them. But there's been a few where it's just felt, damn, I wish I didn't have to end it here, which it, it kind of feels I should. So um, I'm going to jump straight into this and give our sponsors, actually. Um, we are sponsored by Speech Development Records. That is my label, speechdevelopmentrecords.com. It is free to go and look at everything. You just have to pay if you want any of it, which is the, the, the stickler there. But please check it out and if you enjoy the podcast you know if you've listened to more than a few that's already several hours of free entertainment you've got so maybe buy a t-shirt or a cap or a mug you can buy a mug to drink your tea in while listening to this podcast um yeah check us out our other sponsor this week is on it.com on it is a human optimization website they sell tons of exercise stuff which is absolutely awesome um I really want some of this stuff. It's some of it's too expensive to get over here, basically. But um, m- maybe it's better if you've got a ten percent discount, eh? Which you can get by entering by going to onit.com slash scroobius pip o n n i t dot com slash s c r o o b i u s p i p. Um, they sell a lot of fitness stuff, some some supplements, but they also sell n- nootropics, which are kind of supplements for your brain. And they're the bits I order and get uh, sh- shipped in. So I recommend you check them out. That's the sponsors for now. I'm going to be back at the end to tell you about the second podcast this week because we're still trying to do this two-a-week thing in March. It's pretty difficult because Wargy has to t- t- tag them all and we have to record them and they're long. But we've got two this week and I'll tell you who the next one is at the end of the podcast. But for now, enjoy Mr. Wes Borland. Jacket and that is it. No, you take your a jacket off. You get comfy. Perfect. I'm I'm joined by Mr. Wes Borland. How you doing, man? I'm very well, Pip. Um, not very, not too much jet lag. That's always good. Day before yesterday, and here to play a series of shows uh, with my girlfriend. It's a rarity to get that, or to not be hit by it at all, right? So you just slept all the way through the flight, and 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 you're good. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I took a little nap, and after I got in, then ready to roll, good to go. It's perfect. It's 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 got to be interesting because when this goes out, it'll be after the shows, which it'll be March. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, how exciting is it to, to to be coming over and doing more intimate and more a a lot of the venues that I'd imagine some of them you probably heard of but didn't do because because. By the time you were coming over here with Limp Biscuit and with things like that, you were, you know, in venues bigger than this. So, yeah, I think the, that? the first time that we started f- coming over here with Biscuit, we were opening for Corn at yeah. places like, um, I mean, almost like Brixton Academy size yeah, places because yeah, 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 they yeah. were, you know, headlining. Yeah, and of course. We, and we were just, we didn't even have an album out at that point. Yeah. But, um, 
The thing I've been doing lately, playing in um, my girlfriend's name is Karee Calloway, and yep. she she's had a band called Queen Kwong for many many years now. That's had uh, several different lineups. She's always you know the the main person. It's yeah. her band, and um, she is the band in many ways, or in hallways. But um, <laughs> we have an interesting lineup right now because we've got Hayden Scott on drums, who's yeah. um, this uh, amazing, hard-hitting drummer from Australia that's played with Brody Dahl and Filter and AWOL Nation awesome. and all these different people. Yeah. And um, a really good friend of mine, Fred Sablon, who was just played in Manson for about four years on bass, and me on guitar. And um, I originally wasn't going to... Uh, I don't know, for some reason, she and I weren't considering me as a possibility to play guitar in the band yeah. but um uh, another guy we were talking to uh fell through and i just said i'll do it and she goes i know you're doing it <laughs> I went, oh, oh, oh i am and she's like yeah you're doing it I so i went oh i mean you know okay so we started playing shows around la and i've played shows like this with my i have a, a secondary band called blacklight burns yeah, that i yeah. that i'm active with you know here and there um, and that band's almost 10 years old now, which That's is a crazy. crazy four albums, 10 years. But um, uh, so I'm not unused to, you know, lugging my own gear and, yeah. you know, touring in a van and doing stuff like that. But these uh, Queen Kwong shows have been even more intimate than that yeah. in, in smaller places. And it's really cool just loading up my my truck, dumping the gear out throwing it up on stage and going and just kind of hanging out in the bar yeah. and doing and and kind of having that experience because it's you know one day I'll be doing that and two days later I'll be on a plane flying to who knows where and playing a giant yeah. you know festival yeah. with biscuit it's and crazy it's, it's 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 crazy how quickly when you get to a certain level or get it's not even a um an ego thing but when you get used to a certain level of of how everything has to be exactly like this and it's perfect yeah. and all that it's it's when you then get to do the shows that i mean if it's a side thing then that's great if it's the main thing and yeah. you're like right this is shit but we're going to get through it it's when you realize it's doable, man. It can be really enjoyable. And yeah, really nice. It well, doesn't have to be this perfect scenario every time. It's no, it's, it doesn't. That's what makes it exciting is the actual, the variation of it. Yeah, it's so, um, you know, it's it's so easy. It's not yeah. difficult. I mean, it's easier just with less pe- with less people involved and a little more elbow grease. You end up yeah. having like a much better time. Yeah, because you're just. Putting your stuff up and you're talking to people, you're having conversations. You know, five seconds before you go, I mean, you go on stage. I talk to to guys who are like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. I've been fan of you for yeah. you know 15, 20 years, and as I'm setting up, we're going through my pedals and they're asking me questions, and yeah. it's just this really easy, fun way to communicate with people that isn't like a sterile meet and greet where I'm already primed at like a meet and greet to sort of go into autopilot and go, oh, thank you so much. Okay, yeah, very nice to meet you. Okay, thanks. That's very nice of you to say, oh, that was, okay, you know, and and dealing with people in that way, it's just this laid back, easy, 
I don't know. There's something about it that's just charming and particularly and, and in, real in a setting feeling. up type situation as well because yeah. you're that you're it's something you're very familiar with as well, but not familiar with as any any kind of performance. And like I've always done the merch after my shows, and I love meeting the fans. We've been but, doing that too. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's, it's weird because even in that, you get into some kind of not performance mode, but you're very ready with. Thanks a lot for coming. I hope you enjoy. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So it, even though that is a real personal touch, it becomes almost slightly automated at times. I remember I've had stuff where someone said something that's caught me off guard and it's been really deep and emotional or something and I've been kind of, all right, cool, well, nice. Just because I've not known what to say because I'm yeah, so in that yeah, situation. Yeah, because you're in like, that mode. Okay, cool, well, yeah. that's cool. And it's like, shit, you've just said something really beautiful and heartfelt and I've kind of shaken your hand and said, bye, but because there's 100 other people kind of yeah. just, stood there so it must be nice to be taken out of that as you said when you're in a setting up mode in a yeah all that kind of thing it's a it's a different interaction with a fan base yeah that you've completely not had because a while, I, I'd imagine um because i i've had trouble being a little bit socially awkward yeah especially in um situations where i'm i'm interfacing with fans because I don't take compliments well, and yeah. I, I don't really know what to say a lot of the time. I'm exactly to, the same. Um, it's the most awkward of things. And if there's a subject to talk about, like if I'm in the midst of doing something, and there's then there's people who are like minded or asking questions that I have answers to, you know, it's it becomes a lot easier for me and easier yeah. for them. I think. Yeah. Because um, people have said, you know. I've had everything from Wes is one of the nicest guys I've ever met down to earth to but like that guy was a real dickhead and yeah. it's not and it's mainly because I I don't know what to say to you. I, have, yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't ta- I I'm not good at this sometimes, yeah. you know. And how that can be perceived by yeah. an individual person who's been been waiting for ages for that moment and then you've not had the perfect response that they were hoping you'd have exactly suddenly yeah, yeah how's that getting exactly get or, or you just drop you just broke a piece of your gear while you're trying to load off stage and yeah. tripped over a cable and yeah. then they're like hey man can we get a picture with you and i'm like yes but not right not now right, and then, yeah, not then here, all not of a sudden now. they're gone and then yeah. online i'm getting some sort of yeah interaction like we've all seen that i, yeah. I, I remember i had one where when we played Coco, uh, we did a, a, a two nights at Coco, and it's our biggest headline thing. And I n- previously we'd played there, and I hadn't done the merch because it's too big to do the merch. But I was yeah. like, no, these shows mean the world to me. We had Billy Bragg come, come on and guest with us, and yeah. it was like this amazing thing. I was like, I'm doing the merch, and Dan normally goes out the front, so we're kind of separated in where the fans can hit us up, so it's not just a, a bottleneck. Yeah, and um, I'm doing that, and, and one guy was saying to Dan how he's like. Pit man, it's just so you know. He's doing merch. It's it's just so commercial. It's just only that. It's like I'm I'm, I'm well, there to meet the fans. And well, it's so commercial to do I'm, merch that, doing the, that you're selling, I'm selling merch stuff as well. And it's like, well, it is a really does weird it get thing. more punk rock than selling your own merch? Exactly, exactly. That's the I don't start think of everything. So. I'm not but that's the, sure the thing does. I also feel is, it's I'm not gonna lie. If I do the merch. I make more money from merch than if I don't. But it's really a win-win for everyone because I really enjoy meeting all the fans. And they, yeah. I've been to shows. I remember the first time I saw Sage Francis and saw he was selling the merch. I bought albums I already had because I was like, 
shit, I can buy it off him and he can sign it and it means something to him. It's like, no one's losing there, yet you're still going to have someone online going, for fuck's sake, (laughs) it's commercial. They'll find some reason to, yeah, some reason Um, to do that. You were talking about setting up there. I've got a list of of things, of, of notes of things I should hit up and one was kind of against what would be my natural questioning as of I need to give something to the guitar nerds who's, who's going to have tuned in. So yeah. what pedals and what uh, what is your current s- s- setup? And is it a different setup for for your different uh, bands? Yeah, for, for Biscuit, my pedal board is um, large. It's yeah. it's almost six feet wide. And, it, and, it's, um, and in Biscuit, I run two different guitar rigs. Yeah. So I have a clean combo amp that's a Roland Jazz course for my clean channel. Yeah. And then I have a distortion tube head and cabinet for um, my distortion channel. Yeah. And my pedal board is essentially two pedal boards that have sort of a train track switch in yeah, the middle yeah, of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that while I'm on one, I'm setting up what's going to happen with the pedals on the other one. Right, yeah, cool. And vice versa. So, but That's crazy. With this, I'm using one pedal board. And there's a lot going on, but um, I've got a couple of pedals that do a lot and are pre-programmable and um i actually ended up they're so they do so much that i actually took a hot glue gun right before we left and glued (laughs) (laughs) and put hot glue all over a bunch of the knobs so that i won't yeah so that i won't hit them (laughs) uh, during the show that's great do do you find it kind of a one influences the other at all so so do you think the more stripped down setup you're using now makes you change your perspective on on, on on what you want to use in future with biscuit or is that very much that's the set that's the setup that's been built over time to to to, to feed all your needs well for this what i did was uh you know courageous did a new record with uh co-written with joe cardamone from the icarus line yeah and they did it together and um joe's playing guitar on all of it pretty much yeah. so when i built the setup i built it based on her old songs and her new songs right. and um that's always a challenge to um, to take someone else's material and someone else's playing style yeah try yeah, to make it your own and and you know mix it with trying to mix it with who i am as a player but also yeah. trying to emulate the parts and do them justice yeah. so you can't kind of uh, come in and try and be oh here's how i do you know yeah it, it, so it's i my show. yeah so i started from scratch and cool. built a whole guitar rig just based on her albums yeah and um you know my guitar rig and biscuit is based on all all of the albums combined yeah. you know yeah, all yeah, the songs yeah, yeah, we play yeah, yeah. and um it just uh the pedal board and biscuit has gotten so large that at this point, when we write new material, I try to not use pedals that aren't already on the board. Aren't already there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, can't add anything else. Yeah, to to try to just keep it to a minimum. And um, but that's that's sort of I'm for stuff that I'm wanting to do in the future. I've started to think about what I can subtract from my gear and right. from my life. Um, I I've been thinking about. Uh, recently what my go-tos are like I always go to this I always go to this I'm always starting a riff or writing by starting approaching a guitar in this way and I've started to try to make notes and and take 
uh, into consideration what those things are, and I have a desire to start wanting to take them away. Right. So that I'm not able to. Yeah. So it's, to, it's to use them anymore. Again, whether got the crutch to fall. Yeah. Like whether it's getting rid of pedals that I've used for years and years, mm-hmm. and that I always go to, like tape delays or or whatnot, or you know, a, a tremolo on a, on a guitar or a certain type of amp, um, or um, I think I'm even for the next project that I'm doing, I'm going to remove the two low strings off of all the guitars that I use right. so that I have to play chords on the four high strings. And yeah. um, I'm just starting to, to try to work handicaps into future projects yeah, yeah. To, in order to make myself grow as a player. And, yeah, no, and, that's, and, and that's great. And try take to, it in different it, directions. In a, yeah, that in a different natural... direction, yeah. Make rules, yeah. You know, always try to make rules. I always like that. Um, the yeah, yeah, yeahs obviously aren't this way anymore, but I liked when they started that they, uh, their whole um, kind of the whole theme and energy and intention of the band was to to use very little. You know, yeah. Nick was using his guitar rig was yeah, not yeah, yeah. not a lot was happening, and you know, drums and vocals and. I feel that the less you have to work with, the the more creativity flourishes. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the more you have to work with, the more you end up just stuck in a studio, not doing anything. And I think restrictions, plugins, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah for com- hours and hours. And restrictions hours. in all art, I think, are a huge f- f- for creativity and giving you something to overcome and giving you some some kind of of, of challenge. I've always found it in music videos. I think I'd hate to direct a music video where I had an endless budget because I think I don't think I'd make something as good. I think the fact yeah. that there's restrictions makes me go right. I need to be creative and interested sure. with this and try and 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 and, and find a way around it. The old um, a minor threat adage of of um, I'd rather hear music made by people who've got all these ideas but haven't quite got the skill or means to, to get it all out of them than people who can play everything and do everything and therefore sure. it's kind of, it's not as, as exciting and, and buzzing. So I guess it's, it's putting those restrictions yeah, on yourself when you've got to a level where you can do what you want, essentially. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's, there's, um, there's a lot to be said for that and there's a lot to... Uh, I. For years and years, my brother and I and a friend of ours named Kyle, since we were um, almost pre-teenagers, have had this project, I'll quote unquote <laughs> project that we do uh, usually two or two, one or two times a year called Goat Slayer. Yeah. And um, I'm sure that other musicians while growing up may have had similar things but uh, to Goat Slayer, but it's... Um, the three of us usually, um, you know, drunk or high or on LSD or mushrooms, or we would try to have some sort of element, uh, where we're impaired, um, mentally impaired. Um, then we set up a bunch of equipment and hit record without stopping and make an album. Yeah. Amazing make an album and um that was the rule to goat slayer was and it was mainly just for us i think at some point we're going to put it all online for free yeah. or something just to see like because we have a collection of you know 25 years of, of these i think we have 17 or 
20 albums. I mean, it's, or whatever you want to call them. It's, it's junk, but to us, it's gold. Yeah, it's like the, yeah, one of yeah, the most yeah, precious yeah. things in my life. But what we started, I had an idea with that that I actually have wanted to take into other projects. Um, when we started, we used to just use tape players and four tracks, but then when we got Pro Tools, yeah. we decided to start setting up musical obstacle courses right. where we would plug in a bunch of beats into an hour-long session and a bunch of sounds, and yeah. we would each of us would drop it in without the other one seeing to yeah, where there would yeah, be yeah. large gaps of silence, and then you'd come to a part where... All of a sudden, like an orchestra kicks in, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, or yeah. or like a hip hop beat kicks in, or something happens, um, and we would turn the screen off so we didn't know. Right? Yes, yeah, so you can't see it. We coming. Can't see it. Didn't don't know where it's coming. The anticipation. Yeah, isn't there. and we would kind of. It, it's kind of like recording with a Russian roulette thing mixed with an enemy, like someone yeah. who's working against yeah. you, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, at yeah. the same time. So that whole idea of, um, <laughs> I love it. of, of adding obstacles and, uh, parameters and, and I think all of those things are very helpful to creativity. Yeah. Um, things that aren't planned, keeping mistakes. Um, I think like auto tune is the enemy. I think that, People overthinking things yeah. are the enemy. Um, copying and pasting, you know, repetitive, you know, that should not make repetitive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that, yeah that exactly. Whole, that yeah. whole thing um, is, uh, I think that it's changing the way that people who are young perceive and think about music. Completely. I think a human error is gradually being removed, which takes out the the human elements of, of, of music in many yeah, ways, and, and I think that's key. And it's seen as a mistake now. It's yeah. seen as, you know, when, when you hear um, a band like Maroon 5, where the singers uh, of that band, um, it's Adam... It's Adam, Adam something, Adam yeah. Levine? Yes, that's right, Adam Levine. Um, I'm pretty sure he has a really great voice. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of the band, but I think that he's got a great voice. But on all their recordings, it sounds to me like every single note of his voice is auto-tuned. Yeah, 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 yeah. Across the board, like yeah. way more than it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. And people are getting used to hearing that in all music all the time to where it's becoming... And, and, and these people are are ignorant of auto-tune exist, yeah, auto-tune's yeah. existence. So yeah. they think or, of a singer... Or people have the... the, the, the because of the the rise in in over the top auto tune and robotic auto tune, people think that that sort of tune and don't realise it goes across the board in a lot of pop music. Yeah. The and you're not hearing it. It's it, it's yeah. not the Kanye West. There, you know, yeah, it, it yeah, doesn't yeah. have to be that. It's it's across. Um, the the famous one that brought it to to attention over here was the Spice Girls. That that was famously everything was auto tuned and it just all you heard yeah. was people singing. You didn't hear any robotic element or whatever but yeah yeah it's um i don't know i just think that it's it's i want to see four guys and like minor threat i want to yeah. see four guys in a room rushing through because they don't have much studio time yeah. and you know i've i've, I've got an, a level of that um expectation with a live shows as well in a way i'm disappointed if i go and see a band and it's almost 
too good if, it, if it's too if perfect and too polished yeah, yeah 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 it's kind of i like that element of of it going slightly off of human error i've always enjoyed i've always found from doing gigs as well well if you're doing over 100 gigs in a year the ones that will often stand out the most to me is when something goes slightly wrong and yeah. you adapt to it and you adjust and you make it work mm-hmm. and that's kind of that human element of it makes the, 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 the that show stand out above yeah. all the rest because something exciting happened. It wasn't just yeah. we're playing these songs again, which again, I don't mean that in an uh, un, unappreciative way, but when you tour, sure. you are, it becomes a job. You're playing all these things on, you know... Uh, on muscle memory at points. So it's kind of, it's great. Well, 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 when, as you said, there's kind of obstacles and elements to overcome sure. in the live show. Yeah. It makes it more enjoyable. I've actually stuck in, in the last few years, I've like during, uh, biscuit shows, uh, if I've had like a problem or something slightly out or I'm out of tune, I've taken the opportunity to stop playing on purpose yeah. and fix it and then start playing again yeah, yeah, and yeah. drop out. So yeah. people know, this that is I'm, real. That this I'm is, playing. Yeah, there, yeah. There's no, there are no guitars on tracks. There's that like, if we stop, we stop. You know, yeah. and I think people know that because we draw sections out of songs. And yeah, I mean, I guess you can do that with Ableton now yeah. when you have yeah, somebody, yeah, you know, course. you know, going, okay, we're going into the you know next measure Let's now. Switch this out. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I I think that going back to the beginning of what we were talking about, um. Because I have the rare opportunity to play with a band like Queen Kwong and yeah. be um, do these shows where we're loading in our own gear and setting ourselves up, and there's no separation between the audience, and then I can go, you know, all of a sudden I'm on a plane flying, you know, first class to Mexico City to yeah, play yeah, like yeah. a in front of you know hundreds, you know, a hundred thousand people or whatever. It's um, I've started to bring the feeling of that of the punk rock stuff yeah. into the bigger stuff. That's perfect. And, and I've noticed that it's starting to affect me to where I'm doing things that I w- wouldn't normally do. Yeah. You know, and or I have an attitude towards it that um, it feels too sterile, so I'll start wanting to fuck it up yeah, somehow. Yeah. That's so, great, though. I don't know. To, to have that and have that ex- excitement in there, I still... I think that kind of thing was key... For me and Dan Lassac building our fan base, because again, particularly at that point, because he was doing everything from behind a laptop screen, yeah. you assumed that there was a lot of playback, but there wasn't. You know, on most of it, there wasn't any at all. Yeah, he's playing he's, it all he's live. He's doing all, all yeah. of this, so yeah. it actually it kind of increased our credibility. That early on, people would see us fuck up and get it wrong, because yeah. then it's that exact same thing of people going, "All oh, right, that's not just yeah. a guy." A rapping over a DJ or, or rapping yeah. over a beat—that's that's live music, yeah. and it. it gets oh, and that don't across. get me wrong. I've I've played to tracks before. I mean, yeah, yeah, one yeah, of yeah. my bands has played to tracks, and it's one of my least favorite things yeah. to do. Yeah, to be locked on. I mean, you're on rails, and and yeah. if there's a mistake or you it's need to stop. It's a different skill or, as, as well, man. Because yeah, you you are trapped. It's in not that. as fun. Yeah. It's not it's not an enjoyable experience. It takes a lot away from from the yeah. the artist's enjoyment of the show yeah, to me yeah. to me anyway it does so so what was your uh, uh, growing up like we mentioned minor threat and things yeah. like what was your what music were you into and then what was your kind of path into music uh, yourself so what were you gro- gro- growing up enjoying and listening to and and what made um, you go i can i want to have a go at this i, f- I fancy 
trying well, the, this out. Well, the first thing is that when I was a kid, I didn't have an older brother or an older cousin or any older yeah. friends that were introducing me to anything at all. I started skateboarding when I was eight years old and started got a subscription to Thrasher magazine yeah, and was yeah, yeah. sort of um, taking notice of some of the bands mentioned in Thrasher yeah. magazine. But meanwhile... Um, I was into Indiana Jones and was just like buying, oh, I want to buy the Indiana Jones soundtrack yeah, or like yeah, yeah, or like yeah, the yeah. Labyrinth soundtrack. Or yeah. I think my first tape I ever bought was in elementary school was the was the Miami Vice soundtrack. It's you know, it was all about Smuggler's Blues and all, you know, all it was soundtracks because that was the movie, that was the music from the movies yeah. that, that you liked that you heard in the I movies. That, I, I remember... I won the first tapes I got was the Last Action Hero soundtrack, which yeah. was actually a solid soundtrack. I had ACDC yeah. on there, but yeah. I always remember remember or realizing in, in, in later life it had a Cypress Hill uh, 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 when the shit goes down on there. Oh, wow. But all they'd done was change it on the um, sleeve to when the ship goes the down. The ship when the ship goes down. And hadn't yeah. changed the actual recording at all, because if it's oh. written like that, you're hearing it as, when the ship goes down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. That's the best bit of editing I've ever heard in my life. Just like, wow. no, they're not saying shit, they're saying ship. It's like, all right, cool. Well, that's cool. a mind That's fuck. fine, I can, I can handle that. We're just going to mind fuck you. <laughs> um, so that, I mean, yeah, so uh, punk rock and hardcore music, mostly the stuff that was like Minor Threat, uh, DRI, uh, subhumans, Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, Misfits, um, The Damned. Uh, those were the bands that I started playing guitar when I was 12, and those were the songs I wanted to learn. Yeah, yeah. One of aggressive power chord songs, uh, the bands that uh, that I'd seen in Thrasher magazine, yeah. and the bands that were that all my friends that were skateboarding, those that's who we were listening yeah, to. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I was listening to a bit of that Henry Rollins spoken word, like yeah. I'm a rat yeah, type, yeah, that, yeah, old, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that whole thing. Um, and then a friend of mine played me Metallica, Kill Em All. Yeah. And I went, this is aggressive, and these this some of this sounds punk rock, but there's a difference in the guitar playing. That these are riffs. Yeah. These are... They, they, there are dynamics in the plane. They're not just chords that are being, you know, slammed through. There are pauses and mutes and um, hesitations and single notes paired with a chord being thrown in and quick picking. That's all these different dynamics yeah. in the guitar plane. And I thought, I want to learn that. Yeah. I want to learn how to play like that yeah and um i got uh on it and i got the and i and then i got master of puppets and i got the tablature book and started yeah, learning yeah, yeah. the tablature to master puppets and then from them i, I went thrash metal crazy and was yeah. <clears throat> listening to you know testament and megadeth and um i think megadeth rust in peace was the album that just blew my mind as yeah. far as guitar wise because <clears throat> they had the videos where but see, Megadeth had the videos where they would, you know, show. I remember there's a video called Go to Hell that was off like the Bill and Ted Bogus Journey <laughs> soundtrack or something like that. But uh, it's a terrible video. But at, can but never at, escape the soundtrack. Yeah, so it's just <laughs> you can't. I love movies. Um, but at one point they're showing all three of the fretboards of the rhythm, lead, and bass guitar Amazing. across the screen, yeah. the parts that are all being played at the same time. Yeah. 
And I remember just like rewinding the VHS I had recorded the video on yeah. over and over and over, trying to watch what they were all doing and how it all fit together. To learn that part, um, that's amazing. Yeah, to learn those parts and just thought that was such a insane idea to, yeah. to show that in a video um, that wasn't an instructional video. But um, then I moved, kind of got into... The next thing was death metal, and I was listening to, you know, Carcass and Morbid Angel and Deicide and um, uh, a bunch of the bands like that. Death was yeah. like the death. They, they, I don't really like anything except spiritual healing. I kind of like a little bit, which was the album right before Human, which is one still one of my favorite yeah. death metal albums of all time. And then they got a little too progressive after that, and I didn't like it as much. But, yeah. Um, I missed a lot of rock. And it's and, greedy to take clearly the the best name. Yeah. You know, you've got a huge yeah. responsibility there. So yeah, that, exactly. You've got the you've got the name. You got you the name death, and somebody <laughs> already had it. Those those. Uh, um, those other guys had the name Death that didn't work out for them, but I think they got a sweet documentary out of it. Oh, nice. That I didn't even know on, that. But anyway, um, I missed a lot of rock and roll. Yeah. Like, I missed um, I missed the Stooges, and I missed Nick Cave, yeah. and I missed, you know, a lot of, um, you know, I missed the Rolling Stones, and I missed a lot of stuff that I shouldn't, have missed miss james brown miss yeah, yeah, you know yeah. you know sly and the family stone all this stuff that i should have been part of me part of my growing up i've had to come back to later yeah. in life i think the good thing there though and, and what people who've, who've not listened to kind of metal and thrash metal on that don't don't realize is regardless of what you'd missed there there's so much um technical playing in in thrash and in metal that mm-hmm. if that's the stuff you're learning then that's going to be kind of you're going to be able to backwards engineer that in some way so when you come back to these other things you'll have the technical side to be able to go right i can i can learn yeah. in this style and and, and ad- adapt this because although it sounds at points just just so yeah. over the top it's like that's a lot of skill and dexterity that is then translatable to to stuff of different sure. rhythms and different yeah. grooves kind of thing. But you miss songwriting. Yeah, yeah, you know? of course. Yeah. You miss soul and you miss songwriting, yeah, which yeah. It, which I've had to go back and go, oh, because, you know, with my ventures outside of Limp Bizkit, I've thought, oh, I'm I'm writing songs, but I, I have a gene missing that isn't able to write in the way that I would like to write because yeah. I wasn't exposed to these things yeah, yeah, in yeah, my earlier years. And I have to take myself back to school. Yeah, you know, in a way, yeah. and and let that stuff sink in. That's and, really interesting, and it and it and and it harks back and calls back to what you were saying about putting restrictions on on yourself as as a as a player and performer. Because again, it's that it's almost trying to put that into your musical a, a youth development. Just yeah. if you restrict yeah. yourself and going right, imagine I'm not as good as I am now. Now I. That's the point. I need to take these song songwriting influences in and things like that, rather than at the point where there's already too much to 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 lose focus on. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. And um, yeah, it's limitations are important. Yeah. And also exposure is important. Yeah. You know, uh, limiting what you have to work with and ex- exposing yourself to as many different kinds of ideas and musical. Uh, genres as possible yeah 
I think, because that's what makes players great. Um, I had an experience that I was just talking about the other day where um, I had I had grown up playing so much with uh, John Otto, who's the drummer for Limp Bizkit, right, yeah. that our playing um, had developed together to where yeah. we had um, a vocabulary where we uh, rhythmically we accented in the same areas, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, in 2006, I went to, um, through a series of events, ended up playing bass in a band called From First to Last. Yep, yep. And um, the first time I just kind of got in a room with them and jammed with their drummer, he had a completely different background, yeah. their drummer. He was not laid back. He was pushy and aggressive and... and um, Play, he accented parts of of rhythmic measures that I was not used to yeah. to, to yeah. hearing, and it I had a hard time at first yeah, yeah. because the bass play, especially because that was my first venture into you know bass is a tougher instrument than you know it's given credit for I think yeah, because. Completely. Because uh, any guitar player thinks that they can just move over and play bass, but yeah. the the problem with that is, and you know, as much as I tried, I still play bass like a guitar player, but you have to lose a lot, you know, and Completely. have a lot of empty space. You know, you have to be I st- very mindful. I started a, a playing bass um, years ago when I joined a band where there was two other guitarists and they were better than me. So so by default I became the bassist which is that that misinterpretation of yeah. of what that instrument is it's not just oh well the guitarist can do it or you yeah. can just just drift across because it's a completely different yeah yeah you're chained to the kick drum yeah and you chain yourself to the kick drum and you can run out a little bit like a dog on a leash yeah. but you've <laughs> yeah. got to come right back, back to the kick drum you know and and have uh leave a lot of space for everything else to happen yeah. and you can't be greedy and I think that, um, but learning to play bass and learning to accent what this guy's natural tendencies were, yeah. um, completely added to to my inventory and my um, arsenal of what I had to work with as yeah. a player, you know. And I think that working with other people, you know, and stepping outside of um, um, your own comfort zone, you know, and and working with new ideas and learning different musical vocabularies is so important yeah. to do as a yeah. musician uh, and as and an artist. And something I'd imagine you have to f- to f- force yourself to do when you've got to a point where you're in a very comfortable and very successful mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. It's like that takes all the more effort in a way to go right. Actually, let's step away from that for a second yeah. to. To build and 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 develop where I'm going. Yeah, and there's also a problem with playing too well. You know, like I've like so like learning a lot of the songs for Queen Kwong. Kare has gone. You're playing that too well. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're playing it's that part too clean. Too well. It's too on point. Yeah, yeah. you're playing it like and and you have to, and there's this whole thing of going. It's important to play. Ba- there's yeah. there's a quality. A, a quality in playing badly. Yeah. You know, and playing yeah. there's That's what it's, I traded it's, off in my days as a bass yeah. player. I'd try yeah. and just push people. I'm I'm bad on purpose. That's not it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
I don't know. I think I think that it's just working with other people is important because you can get too, um, you can you can become too confident when you get good at something that you're good at. Yeah. And if you don't, um, you know, if if you just slightly adjust the perspective and you're working with someone who is, you know, an equally good musician in a, in a different way and you get criticized yeah. by that person, it's it's a lot to, it's, it's a big test, you yeah. know, for yourself to go, oh, I'm being criticized and no one's criticized me in a long time. And yeah. I'm being criticized for something that I've thought that I was, you know, I was that the, was, I was one the of my balls skills, at, one of my strongest doing points, this. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, so it's, it's, it's been, it's, I love working with other people yeah. for that reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kick, kick you down. Keep you, to knock, keep you in line. Yeah. Keep you in line. <laughs> keep you grounded. I love it. So I, I kind of want to, obviously, as you touched upon there, there's been a lot of different um, paths gone down on, on your route. So I want to try and kind of a, a work through a few, and it seems natural to start with Limp Biscuit. How was it when that just blew up? in the way that it did and you know how how was that from a personal point of view from a professional point of view it couldn't have been expected i guess or or was there that confidence that this is going to be fucking huge let's no it was completely unexpected because people we were uh, um at that time um we were in our hometown of we formed in jacksonville florida i grew up mostly in nashville tennessee yeah and that's where I started playing music. But in, in Jacksonville, I had been in several bands and, uh, Limp Bizkit was kind of the leftovers of many of the bands that were our, my peers, you know, people had gone off to work other jobs and gone to college. And, um, we were sort of assembled the people that still wanted to play music assembled and kind of, um, and Fred at that point was, I was 20, 20 years old and Fred was 25 and he was already really keen at as far as like you could tell the guy was a businessman yeah, like yeah, he was yeah, yeah. he was driven yeah and he was picking who was going to be in the band yeah and he's wow. a very charismatic guy and he gets um I don't know. He gets maybe more shit than Vanilla Ice gets as far as like disrespect <laughs> yeah. in yeah, in the sure. world. But um, the guy is he's very self aware and he's very good at convincing people of a lot. Yeah, you know of himself. He's very yeah, yeah, yeah. confident and um, he was just that way. And he talked to people like. When when we were nothing, he talked to people like they owed him the world. Yeah, and I think between that and then us making flyers and going, we would make flyers for shows. We would play like one or two times a month, and we would go to high schools, all the high schools as they were letting out, and just flyer everyone yeah. as they came out. Yeah, and um, we tried to make our shows events, you know. And yeah, um, I think we played between eight and ten shows in our hometown and in Jacksonville. And then after that, we were being asked to go to Orlando, to Tampa, to Atlanta to play. And then we were on tour with the Deftones. Then we were on tour with House of Pain doing regional stuff. Crazy. um, 
then uh, there was a band called, do you remember a band called Sugar Ray? Yeah, I remember Sugar Ray. Yeah, they were opening for us in our hometown. They were Damn. signed opening for us yeah. in our hometown at like the biggest venue, biggest club venue there That's was. crazy, yeah. And then that was when we left for tour and everything just went nuts and i i constantly was in disbelief yeah of it hap- of it just things happening on what you were saying there, i think so many new bands don't realize how much and it sounds like fred was an essential element in that and how much how important perception is and that if you give off that you're successful then you know you'll yeah. if you do it well you'll get that respect You'll get those, you know, yeah. people. I won't just think, oh, we're booking another band to come and no, and, he and, commanded and fill some doors. People. You're like, right, no, we, we we're booking the band. This is a big deal, and yeah, that comes across. And particularly if you've got someone on stage or everyone on stage is having that same, um, yeah, that that same approach and look of right, yeah, this is as you said, an event. This isn't just yeah. a gig at your local. This isn't your your Thursday night gig that you're coming to yeah. see any band that's on. You, you're coming to see us and this yeah, is a, we worked really thing. hard and practiced all the time and yeah. got really tight and wrote 10 songs and then threw them out and wrote 10 more you know yeah, and yeah, yeah. and he uh he he behaved like people owed him something yeah right off the bat like yeah. promoters uh booking agents club owners he he it wasn't like can we get a gig at your place he he went in with why should I let you yeah. allow? Why should I let you have my band play here? Yeah, yeah. Why? Why should we play at your club? Yeah, you know. And that's that was how he treated everyone, yeah. and and you know, and then he had us to back it up. Yeah, you know, and, and we played, we delivered on shows, and I couldn't believe it. It was it was just it's one of those things that you know. Does it doesn't happen very yeah, often? Yeah, that's beautiful. How 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 taxing is that though? Ha- having someone in the group who's who's that strong minded in that way. Um, I remember when we were um, hanging out in in LA a, a little while ago. You just got back from from I, th- I think from going on a holiday with with Fred mm-hmm. um, and going away, and you were saying how beautiful it was that. Because obviously it's well documented that there were times in the band where you yeah. fell out hugely and all that, and you were saying how beautiful it was. That it's like we're just, it's just friend. It's it's not. A, it doesn't feel like yeah. a band anymore. It, yeah. it feels like my friend here again. So how was that, and how did that kind of come back round? Because obviously when you're touring yeah. anyway, it's tough. But if you're touring with someone who's got that strong a drive and stronger personality, I guess you can imagine that there's going yeah. to be some, some 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 tension there at points well it's the rise and fall you know and then the and then kind of sorting things out in the ashes afterwards yeah. you know yeah. it's the rise to the top and then the fall of the band and then you know years later going hey we do you want to try doing this again yeah. you know as adults yeah you know do you want to do you want to see if we can go book some shows and maybe make a new album and you know we missed playing with each other we felt uh because i was furiously angry for years because of all the headbutting and i had so much animosity and he did towards me too and um i woke up one day and i just wasn't angry anymore and i don't know what happened i don't know if it was time or maturity or yeah you know it's crazy how simple a thing it can be that it can just be a 
yeah, I'm not. Yeah, that, I mean, that doesn't mean anything to me anymore. It, it meant the world to me then, a week ago, yeah. and now, it, yeah, I'm yeah, cool it's, with that. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, but um, and it's not to say that we don't have you know our issues, and it's not to say that we don't argue about things yeah, now, of course, because we do, and but um, we talk about them in yeah. in a diplomatic way, which is completely different from how it's, things it's, used to be. It's such a stupid and easy. Um, explanation of just it, people forget that people in bands are just humans. Yeah. And the fact is, everyone, when you have a period of your life when you're younger where everything is a bigger deal, and then you do just get older and you grow up and you learn how to yeah. resolve problems and, and how, you go, and you and go, how we're to not disagree. Im- and we're how, not important. Nobody no. fucking cares. Exactly. Like, and, and, we're, you know. We're in a stupid rock band that some people like. Yeah, you know, and and it's not a big deal. It's it's beautiful how um, when you realise that you don't all have to agree on everything. And again, I think that's a a, a grown up thing to go right. So, for example, say Fred has this opinion on this subject. I have this opinion, and that's actually okay. And when you're younger, that's not okay at all. Right. That's like, no, fuck you, you're wrong. It's like, it's fine, we can have different opinions, we can have different, we can yeah. discuss these, that's not, that's not the be-all and end-all in Yeah, in, in and life. I just go, you know, man, whatever. If it, like, I mean, I get fulfilled in different ways from Limp Bizkit than I do from other projects, yeah. and I get, you know, fulfilled from other projects in different ways than I do from Limp yeah. Bizkit. Um, Biscuit is what it is, you know? It's, yeah. it's loved by its fans, it's hated by the world, and... Um, you know, I'm happy to be a part of it because it puts me in a really weird position to yeah. um, thrive in an environment that isn't um, conducive to what I naturally do. Yeah. And so I've got to find ways in which um, I can express myself artistically to sometimes an audience that's not going to get or accept what I'm doing, yeah, sure, and um, and make that fit in with yeah. with what they're doing, and I think that the juxtaposition of that, um, I don't know why it works, but it does. It just does. I know? mean, that was always one of the things I felt when when I was at at, at university, and it's when. Um, break stuff and everything was huge and I was, I was, I was, I was massively a fan. I got um, dragged from one end of a club to, to, to another by a security guard just holding me up by my throat because he felt I was going too crazy to break stuff oh in this in this gosh. metal club. So, you know, il- illustration of my youth there. But um, one of the things I think was amazing and it is, as you said, it's the juxtaposition um, and you posted a picture on Instagram recently um, someone had put together loads of your different, your of your face paints yeah, which and body I was paints and masks, by. and, and how that's was not that even to all see? Because that was just, just, just I just I, I looking through that was just amazing. The the difference, the amount of, yeah, the different styles and approaches. How yeah. how important has um I, I mean I know a lot of people will already know, but I know you you paint a lot as well. Um, mm. How important was that as part of your expression and part of getting everything across to to put th- th- that much time and effort and thought into into your body paint, your face paint, the, the the masks and uniforms and everything you've kind of have made along the way. Well, I um, I went to an art school for um, sculpture and yeah. painting, and um, was planning on doing that 
uh, for a living in some aspect. You know, go, yeah. I, I my next move was I, I was in the band and I wasn't sure if you know things were as I said before things were going really well and moving along quickly. But you know, there's who can put faith in that? You know, because yeah. that can just go poof and be gone in one second. Yep. Um, so I was getting ready to go to art, look for an art school and submitting, getting a portfolio together to submit to different art schools and pursue um, a degree in fine arts. Yeah. And um, when the ban happened, that stopped. And I, uh, I didn't want to stop being a visual artist. So I had to think of what a way in which I could incorporate this need to sculpt and paint and continue to express myself visually, uh, I needed to figure out a way beyond just making the art for a T-shirt or an album cover, Yeah, how I could constantly do that because I'm compelled to do it. Yeah, yeah, and, sure. Um, the stage... Uh, when when the whole I hate the term new metal because it incorporates because I hate the music <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, hate yeah. Um, I I we started our band and I started playing the way I play because I loved you know Helmet and Primus and Sepultura yeah, and yeah. Carcass and combined all these you know things I liked into these riffs and then. Um, pretty much fucking hated every other band in the genre. The label that, was, well, was and, put and on the it. label wasn't, and, you know. I always remember when, when um, I was working with Danny Lona on, on Introduction yeah. and he sent me a few, a few different beats through and we didn't know each other that well and yeah. I didn't realise he'd be insulted in a way that on, on one or two I said it's... it's it's too new metal. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not looking to do a new metal thing. Despite yeah. the, but but in actuality, number one, there was a fair few bands I'd listened to and loved who were under yeah. the new metal bracket. And mm. the fact was, my plan was I want to be rapping over hard guitars, hard drums, heavy sounds, which a lot of that is what you would describe as new metal. So it's right. kind of it is a weird thing of that. But new metal also that topic, turned that into name an, that came for it. like a not rap thing. It turned into yep. like these like just corny vocals over bad riffs that, yeah. that I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, uh, <laughs> my apologies to everyone in the world for being responsible for inspiring some of those <laughs> bands. But, um, the thing was, is w we were on the tail of the grunge movement. We, yeah. Grunge was going out when we were coming in yeah, of course. As, as far as some, whatever was going on in, in harder rock music. And, um, my need to still do something visual and be in a band, um, yeah. that was kind of, uh, I mean, the the uncaring of the grunge world, that them not caring about what they looked like on stage, yeah. really, and and being sloppy in flannels and boots and t-shirts and whatever. It was a great time for me to go. I'm gonna do this, yeah, and, I'm gonna do, and the do something and completely different, that. yeah, and um, you know, basically wear like kabuki makeup on stage, yeah. and, and you know, do um, do something that was that was impactful. It seemed like the stage was a wasted opportunity, yeah, 
to like it would be a wasted opportunity to not do something for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, I felt a little weird that I was the only one doing it at first, but then it seemed okay. This is what's good about it. Yeah, yeah it seems that's what makes what's it work. good about it, and you know, everyone was encouraging of it, and, and just like and, go, just do your thing, and and and, and sticking with it and persisting as well means even more. I always remember when, I mean, obviously, I ended up loving all of of of, of Metallica's body of work but I remember the excitement when Metallica came out was that they weren't um kind of over the top and like um whoever else was out there doing videos on mountain tops with guitar solos and sure. stuff and Metallica were in an no empty videos. swimming pool if they were doing yeah. a video and no videos and all that and then you go forward a few years and they're on the exact same mountain tops doing guitar <laughs> yeah. solos and things yeah. like that so for the Mission Impossible yeah, song yeah I yeah. remember being yeah. kind of annoyed at that but yeah, that's the beauty of you've kind of acted out against this, and then even though, um, I mean, I saw I saw recently when you would um, it was either on Instagram or t- or Twitter you were catching s- some heat for a comment about frat boys or about whatever a lot of the Limp Bizkit f- fan base yeah. became, but that's what kind of excites me about continuing with an in- in- endeavor and yeah. idea like that is it's easy it would have been easy to be completely body painted and this alien looking thing in some art house band in 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 Greenwich in you know just oh, doing it probably would have been in, overlooked it would have been overlooked yeah, and accepted yeah. so it means even more to be doing that and persisting with that in an area where you're more likely to get people going what the fuck's this what you're doing kind of you know what I mean so it's kind of what I've recently more. thought about it is like it, it's like being in America and being a Democrat voting in a Republican state. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like th- yeah. that's that's what I think about it. Is. It's yeah. good for people who don't encounter anything like that, even if they're not able to appreciate or understand it. Yeah, it's good for them to get a little bit of uh, of a dose of something that they're not yeah. used to seeing. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So uh, if if we can go on, I mean, obviously there was. It's hard to keep track, but it was periods when obviously you left Limp Bizkit, and is is that or when you started doing um, a Blacklight Burns? Um, yeah, yeah, and, Black. And, and initially, initially, yes, that's when Blacklight Burns. Um, actually, there was another band that I tried to do that was way too um, self indulgent, right. and um, I actually like a lot of the music that was from that period of time, but it was a band that I uh, worked on with my brother that was just in development, and yeah. we were looking for a singer for a long time for it, and um, just Interscope kept... They were they were helping us and funding us, yeah. and they but they really wanted me to return to Biscuit, so yeah. it was like a thing that constantly was getting shelved. And, yeah, yeah, of um, course. When you... And I, my ego at that point was out of control. Right. Because I thought, like... I just came from this huge band. I could, you know, you know, do anything. Yeah. And I was it, kind of the odd one out in this yeah. huge band, and now I can make that oddness its own yeah, thing. Yeah, and- I can make that oddness its own thing. But the thing is that the the hard lesson I learned is that it's completely unacceptable. Like you can go make music that's like limp. I could go do another limp biscuit and yeah. kind of hobble my way along with you know playing smaller shows and being accepted by, uh, you know, part of the Limp Bizkit fan base. But it's just not um, when you do an about face and, yeah. you know, your whole fan base goes, what? It, you know, it's, it's not. What's going on? I, I got a good dose of medicine yeah. that I needed during that period yeah. of time. And, and it was a 
very good learning experience. It was hard, hard years yeah. of, of trying to, of, of, of getting, you know, knocked off my high horse. Yeah. Because uh, that's, that's a weird thing to experience. And yeah. it's a good, and, and it's not, um, you know, the, the, I don't even find it shameful or embarrassing. I find it shameful and embarrassing that I needed to be knocked off yeah, my yeah, yeah. high horse, you know. Yeah. Because now I feel a lot better. It's, it's good lessons yeah. to learn, though, surely. But um, so it, it felt for me with um, Black Light Burns, you got to get um, more of the uh, uh, or experiment more with um, the visual side of things and the, the the two music videos that were kind of an extended yeah. film. How yeah. was all that? Because they, I, I was a big fan of them. I'm a big fan of oh, the music video side of things anyway, but I just thought it beautifully kind of took you completely out of a music video for points, but not in a uh, a pretentious way in any way. It was just in, there was so much that was just like, I don't know what the, f- the fuck's going on, but I'm happy that it's going on. I'm, you know, I'm, you yeah. know, I'm continuing on here, I mean, almost forgetting that I tuned in to listen to music. If yeah. you know what I mean. So, well, thanks. how was that? Um, that was a lot of work, and and um, my friend Agata Alexander, who um, was was the director yeah. and co-writer of those videos, um, a lot of that was was her and I just brainstorming and working really hard to come up with. Um, a way that we were going to pull off all these ideas that yeah. we had, and um, the, uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do anything better than those two, than that period of time with Black yeah. White Burns. I mean, it's yeah. that's kind of we pulled every favor we could. We, um, you know, we're shooting the whole thing in this like warehouse where they shoot porn, yeah. um, where we got um, we got like this this weirdo porn guy to let us use his yeah. space you know and it's insane. we were moving couches around that had all kinds of stains on them <laughs> to get them out of the way and just uh a lot had to happen for that to yeah for those to go down and it was absolutely exhausting um you know i i was struggling with drowning during the first video yeah. because um I was the I was in freezing cold water in the Pacific Ocean with a diver, you know, on a respirator, trying to um, claw into the ground, you know, and and breathe at the same time because yeah. I was underwater for you know minutes before I come out yeah, of the water yeah, in yeah, a yeah. single shot of that video. Um, it was just it was a lot of work. Yeah, and to shoot that we had to break into a closed beach at four thirty in the morning, like right when the sun was. Yeah. Just you know, right before dawn, it's the kind of thing that takes so much work and so much effort, and it's all worth it. But then you you definitely don't want to do that again for at least four or five years. Yeah, it's, it's just one yeah. of them. It's like that's everything, and then the finished product is that reward, and you are like, "Fuck, that's so good. That's worked so well." We're like, "Yeah, let's not do it again. <laughs> let's let's leave yeah, it. Yeah, let's that. let's let's leave it that. Let's not do it again for a while." And we were gonna do a third one, but just didn't have the energy or the money yeah. to pull it off. We were like. For, there's no way to top the the two videos. Yeah. I mean, 
we put this podcast out on an app called Acast as well as iTunes and wherever, yeah. and we can have links in this. So we would have had a link to these videos the whole time. But for everyone okay. who isn't listening on that, what is the names of the two? Because it's 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 on YouTube as one, isn't it? As well, or is it? Oh, under it, the it two has separate, been edited one together as one. Yeah, yeah. somebody. It, it's uh, sort of they need to hunt for the, the first video is uh, Blacklight Burns Chapter One. The moment you realize you're going to fall. Yeah. And the other one is Blacklight Burns Chapter Two. How to look naked. Yeah. And yeah. those two, um, how to look naked was that, that, that whole thing was sort of the theme for the whole record because I remember standing in the lot in line at a, at a grocery next to the magazine rack and yeah. there was a cosmopolitan or something and it, and it said how to look good naked. And, and I just thought, I don't know, I was, I was getting, <laughs> At this point, I this is a point in which I was in a period of time where I w- had not been watching television. I'd removed cable from my house. I refused to watch commercials. Yeah. I refused to read magazines or watch the news. Or I mean, I was trying to shut down to everything. I was trying to put myself on like a brain diet yeah. where I was trying to exclude all this, you know, being sold things yeah. and, yeah, and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And, I just thought, God, they're putting How to Look Good Naked on a fucking magazine cover for women. Yeah. Like, women look good naked no matter what. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just... How to look good naked. Yeah. It, remove it, clothes, end of list. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, I was like, and, I would, and I just, for some reason, I mean, I'm an easily infuriated person when it comes to many things, but that just blew my socks off. Um, so I just thought that would be a great title yeah. for a song is just How to Look Naked. Yeah, I love it. And then the whole album just turned into me rant. I mean, most of that album was just me ranting against the world and people watching television. But um, I don't know. I'm going to do... Um, my girlfriend and I are currently selling our house in Los Angeles because yeah. I've fucking had it. Yeah, I've been there for 15 years. and um, it's, it's an intense place. It can be intensely it's a, yeah. wonderful at points, but it, it's intense yeah. regardless of the... It's yeah, a city full intense. of actors, you know, and, yeah. and people who um, want to give blowjobs, yeah. you know, to themselves and to everyone around them. Yeah. And they... Um, I can't take it anymore. That's fair. And, I'm, and so we are um, buying a decrepit mansion in Detroit, Michigan, and are going to renovate it, build a studio in it, and um, go live in that part of the world. And when I get there, I'm I'm starting fresh. Like, um, I'm giving all my paintings away that I've done in the past in L.A. I'm leaving them all behind, and I'm putting all... Not throwing my hard drives away, but I'm putting them in boxes and yeah. taping them up. And um, I'm Let's starting a new Blacklight Burns record in Detroit as soon as, soon as I get there and set Amazing. up. in the house we're trying to get hasn't been occupied for 70 years. Yeah, so, that's uh, insane. So we're um, trying to put an offer in on it right now. Yeah. And it's uh, 8,800 square feet. Damn. And we're going to—and we're getting it for like— 200 grand or something like that. 
like nothing. So we're actually flying from London right back to Detroit before we go have a show. We have a show on the 26th here in uh, February 26th in L.A. Yeah. And we're going to see it and see if it's wrecked or not and see how much it would cost to fix it. But um, the dream is to build a studio in it and put, like, bunk beds and have bands and start producing albums and getting into the second half of my life yeah kind of it's amazing while we're back on uh queen Queen i said before that um we'll play a track at the end yeah the fact is it's occurred to me on podcasts if you put something at the end then people will stop if they want to so i would like to introduce a track now and then we'll we'll play a chunk of that and then we'll come back to to what the future holds sure um take your pick track of the week um on bbc one was uh just two weeks ago was uh her song get a witness which is from the album that does not have a label and does not have a release date right now, but we're pl- we're putting it out and playing it anyway. So perfect. Um, get a witness.
There we go. I will have, have, have put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was get a witness. So yeah, you said there's no there's no a label. Uh, what is the plan for the the? This is the Queen we're, we're looking for a label. We're playing four shows right now in London. Yeah. Looking for a label. We've got massive amounts of people coming out yeah. to to see uh, the shows. They're all free. I think awesome. they're all about to sell out. Yeah. Um, and or or close to it. Uh, and Dan Carter at the BBC yeah. has been yeah. really helpful. Yeah. Um, to us and and been just a huge he's you know, great man hero. He's, he, he, he's the last one hanging in there of of the rock and metal and yeah, punk on, on the bbc yeah a great such a dude. sweetheart i live um, uh, just up the road from me out in essex oh yeah bizarrely. yeah he's, he's a, a south end guy so yeah good dudes so yeah. The, the plan is obviously to get a label then and then yeah is it going to be more touring of that um how how do you plan to to balance whatever the future is for Limp Bizkit, for for Blacklight Burns, for Queen Kong, is it that constant rotation? Yeah, I'm... I'm and is it planned I'm, out or is it more, well, whoever finishes an album first, they get your attention for the... For no, the it's, it's... I mean, I mean, Limp Bizkit is my bread and butter. I, yeah. I make a living. It's my job. Of course, yeah. You know, I make my living off of Limp Bizkit and it allows me to do Blacklight Burns and Queen Kong and do other things yeah. and, you know, buy, buy plane tickets and yeah. things like that. So... Um, I have to give priority to Limp Bizkit, obviously, yeah. because it's a machine and a lot of, uh, we have a wonderful crew who's, you know, depend, they depend on us for their jobs and yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's an entity yeah. and it is, um, you know, we luckily don't work all year round. Yeah. We have, we uh, go in spurts. So yeah, that's great. The idea is to, in the in between time, to try to sh- do all the black light and Queen Kong stuff. Yeah. in between. Is there any plan or even any d- desire to do just um, a Wes Borland a s- a solo album project? I know you were, were, were working on something with with Danny Lona yeah. and Josh Fries and all yeah. that at some point. Which, again, they're both guys I have huge respect and love yeah, for yeah. so is 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 that something that motivates you though because i guess that has to be the first thing there has to be that desire to be you know i think it would be new solo you stuff. know instead i mean i sort of consider blacklight burns my solo yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, but yeah. um because a lot uh, of the solo stuff turned into the early yeah like, it, or the, a lot of the what was planning to be the solo stuff yeah, turned into the because i tried to make an stuff, inst- right? sort of like a an instrumental album that yeah. was just it was inspired by Aphex Twin selected Ambient Works Volume yeah. Two of yeah, just yeah, like yeah, yeah. music to die to yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know just like soft non-invasive background you know droney noise music, but I kept fucking it up and putting in a bunch of stuff that was more exciting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. But uh, my such a skill to to to, to be able to leave gaps. And to, or, yeah. or Dan Lesac, he he taught he helped me a, a lot with that. Where uh, whenever there was a gap, I wanted to put words in there it's like right there's a, I need yeah, to wrap yeah. in that I need to, and then there was points where it was like no that doesn't sometimes it doesn't have to be sometimes it yeah. can just be that Stunning. you don't have to fill it there's out there's a lot of where space you, yeah. where, you, where you left stu- let stuff yeah, yeah, rest yeah, yeah, yeah. and stunner yeah exactly um, yeah that, that's if if I did something I mean on one of I'm doing a bunch of stuff right now. One, yeah. I'm developing a video game right now that I've written Amazing. a whole story for, and okay. I'm having meetings about that um, that I'm going to be doing the music for. 
also. And I'm not that's sure what great. platform that's going to be on, but um, that's something that I've been working free. very hard. Yeah, they, but the video game, I've written the whole story out and storyboarded most of the game, but now I've been told that I have to make the game Bible, So, which is to go in and take every character and write their backstory, even oh, if it's wow. not going to be featured in the game. So, that's amazingly so, intense, yeah, right? And we're looking for investors, and it's it's uh, it's a whole new. It's world. It's got to be a lot of fun, though, to 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 go into those areas yeah, that are new to you yeah. and learn that right. Here's what I might have perceived is needed to make a computer game, for example. Here's what's actually needed. Yeah. Here's the skills set I need to learn or need to develop, or the 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 depth I need to go into. There's a lot more depth than you think because, yeah. like, a lot of the movies you see and a lot of the video games you see and the, the you know, things of that nature, um, there's a, the ones that are really impactful and really rich, um, a lot of those characters have these, they, they, write these huge, huge stories, stories that aren't ever they, that are, aren't ever presented in the movie yeah. just so they know how the character will behave and react to certain yeah. things in the the movie so that's my next step is doing that <laughs> so and and then I'm taking um 3D animation classes so that I can oh, start wow. animating too um but uh that's awesome so would you ideally want to animate it all yourself and be it well, be based on your design as well as your story? And... I'm going to animate the main character. I mean, yeah. Kung Fu Panda, that movie was made, um, and I'm not trying to make a, a movie, but yeah. I'm not opposed to it, but um, Kung Fu Panda was made just based on that panda with a black background. Yeah. It was green-lighted just with that panda moving around a, a black space yeah, on a screen awesome. yeah. and just sort of like falling down and sleeping and throwing kicks and yeah. stuff like that. So the idea is to uh, take what I've got now, um, take the... I've made 3D characters, like the actual action figures of characters Amazing. in the game. Um, and, and it's a ridiculous game and it's really funny and... Um, G-rated. It's not, yeah. you know, it's it's for all ages. And um, the the idea is to do the Bible, write the Bible for it, and then um, animate the main character. Yeah. Learn enough about 3D animation to animate the main character because I tried to get a freelance guy to do it, and they, <laughs> they quoted me $70,000 wow. to do a two-minute animation. Wow. And I said no thanks. I'm gonna. But I'm, I don't I'm have. Save I don't have seventy thousand dollars to give you to do that. Yeah. So I'm gonna just you know learn That's to do insane. it myself. But the the solo back to the solo yeah, album yeah, music yeah. is uh, another idea I have about moving to Detroit into a big scary haunted looking house was to shoot a horror movie in it wow. and do the music to that. Yeah. Because I've been. Um, uh, I was staying in – one of the reasons I was staying in L.A. for so long is because I was trying to get into film yeah. scoring and doing music for films. And I ended up um, – it's funny because when you think about, oh, when musicians think about like, oh, I'd love to score a film, I'd love to score a movie, um, you know, you're thinking, I want to be Danny Elfman. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, people yeah. are thinking. Yeah. And then you start taking meetings and you realize that most of the guys in those – who are doing that are like doing movies like Horrible Bosses too, and yeah. and you go that fucking sucks. Yeah, I did. I worked on a Miley Cyrus movie. I worked on um, 
the movie Baby Makers, which was from the guys that did like Super Troopers, like yeah, that yeah, whole group yeah, of guys. Yeah, yeah. And I was just having to deal with directors and um, the composers I was working with, and it's just a shady, sucky, disappointing world. Yeah. And I had a taste of it. And, yeah. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'll do it. I'll work with friends or Agata who did the you know music yeah, videos yeah, or somebody else or do figure out how to do it myself one day and score my own movie. That the fourth Blacklight Burns album is actually a score to Alejandro Jodorowsky's Holy Mountain. It's an alternate oh, wow. soundtrack. Awesome. So if you play them at the same time, yeah. it because I wanted to score a film and that's one of my favorite movies. So yeah, it's awesome. that that was me sort of flexing my scoring muscles. I remember when I was it at uni, a guy um, g- g- got me a copy of that on video, and it was impossible to get over here. It's like you'd read about you it, it, but now. it wasn't like the internet, yeah. and it wasn't like like now when you can just just get anything. Yeah. But it was like it's on iTunes. I've managed now. to get this this video. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. But yes, it's a, it's I had the Japanese version from eBay. Yeah, that I got that I got on eBay that had all the Japanese subtitles. At the yeah, bottom of the yeah, Holy Mountain. that that may be what I had as yeah. well. It might have been. Yeah. And my friend Adam um, Jones from Tool is the first person that showed me showed me that movie, and he had it on Laserdisc. Amazing. Like, a, you know, the huge Laserdisc player. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that movie's amazing. That's great. That's, it's, it's hugely exciting to think of the possibilities then when stepping away from somewhere like L.A., where so much of it is set up that you're there to work within that system. Whereas if you're stepping away to somewhere where you're working in your own system and, and whether that be to your benefit or, or detriment, it's yeah. going to be this amazing, yeah, it's this, right, you need to do it all yourself and yeah. figure this out. You can't just go, right, well, we've got people all around us who can do this part of it or this part of it. It's yeah. like, right, no, you've not. You've not got no, I want to do it all my. I, I need. I need to be in my own. Yeah. I need to be in a huge, scary house with a lot of room to work yeah. in, and do a lot of art, and save, save my money instead of burning through it in L.A. You yeah. know, with the overhead that I have there, it's Completely. so expensive. And the other thing is, Detroit is a really exciting place to be right now because yeah. after the bankruptcy, there are artists pouring in, wanting to gentrify the city. Really, yeah. There are pop-up restaurants coming up all over the place. Chefs are coming in, um, uh, restaurateurs are coming in, uh, galleries, uh, oh, gallery uh, owners are mm. coming in um, and opening new spaces. Uh, people are really excited about Detroit. It's logical because right somewhere like that that hits so l- l- low and gets so yeah. abandoned and empty, yeah. there's a point where it's got a f- flip the yeah. the the negative side or or whatever is m- making people see it as so v- valueless it's got to then hit that level of value if you know what i mean yeah. so it's like right now it's it is what it is you yeah. can you can do something with it's this it's yeah it's it's a blank canvas essentially it's a blank canvas in in some ways and it's ready to be steered you yeah. know yeah. there there are people who really want to are excited about coming in and um, making something out of the city because it's it's in the shape that Brooklyn was in 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Well, we've we've gone well over the hour marks, oh, so we'll start to wrap up. Um, just just I wanted to end on um, on just on social media in general um, because it occurred to me as I was kind of g- g- going through a few bits. 
and one of the bits as soon as or, or in fact the reason this has happened essentially is I was was saying on your Instagram oh let's meet up when you're over and yeah. it didn't even cross my mind to do a podcast for some reason yeah. someone else said you should do the podcast so it's how do you feel about social media I know that I remember when we I posted or we all posted a picture of you me Danny and Travis in, yeah. in the studio yeah. tons of people were talking still we've not told anyone Oh, oh, what that is, and, and the reality is, after this, I was going to ask if you've got any space or time to make anything. But you've just listed a million things you're doing at the moment. So yeah, but the I'm internet is great. Breath. The internet is great, and you know, sending tracks yeah. is, is great. And exactly, it's amazing. But yeah, yeah what do you think of that? Because I also feel obviously um, when I was, I, was, I was thinking back, and I was thinking uh, when you left Limp Biscuit, a lot of it seemed to be. Uh, publicly over MySpace, and I was thinking when a few years back, when uh, when a, a lethal uh, w- yeah. wasn't part of the. I remember yeah. kind of tr- tracking that on Twitter. How key has it all been, and 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 how do you feel about that? Is what is your? Is it a love thing? Is it a love hate thing? Is it just a happy medium of of social media making everything so public? But yeah, I don't know. Are, are taking down so many of the boundaries, yeah, in a good or bad way. Well, recently I've I've just started to have more fun with it over the past couple of years because it's so it can be so vicious and so stupid and so rewarding and yeah. so empty all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it, it's a way to kind of share, um you know, w- share things about yourself that people wouldn't normally yeah. know. Yeah. And um, it's, I think it can uh, be absolutely key f- f- for getting across a truer perspective of who you are rather than the perspective that's put across on stage or yeah. in, this, in this small chunk of you that they're, that the public are getting to consume yeah. that is packaged and marketed and made a certain yeah. way. It's kind of a, a, a real way to get more of that across. I've gotten in... in a l- I've gotten a little bit of heat, which... Is fine. Is fine, but um, I've started acting on social media uh, in a way that was in opposition to how I saw other people using it, which was um, people kissing asses, mm-hmm. being overly grateful and thankful to their fans for supporting them or people for supporting them, um, being trying to present a false. Um, persona of yeah. themselves yeah. I've or or trying to be really politically correct I've started just talking on social media like I do to my friends yeah and it's been it's a I, dangerous I've gotten, game but it's, it's dangerous it's, but I'm sticking to <laughs> yeah. but I'm sticking to it yeah no completely and, um because there are some people that um have just make me sick on social media hmm. with how fake they how are and, is, yeah. and and how um just how they use it as just a shameless promotional tool. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're, I, I just think it's hilarious to have fun with it yeah. and, to, I think the, and, and to not take it so seriously and to, and to actually have a connection with fans. Um, I, I know, always find the less I have to promote, the more fun I'm having on social media. Absolutely. When, when there's an album or anything yeah. else, it's like, that's the fact it has to become a promotional tool as well. There's no, there's no, Denying that in a way, it's something yeah. that gives you that access. But and I always the think, most oh, fun fuck, I have, we have to promote something. Exactly. This is gonna suck. The most fun I have is when it's like I've got nothing I have to tell you, so here's some stupid shit, or here's some shit that's just interesting to me and stuff yeah. like that. You know? Yeah. 
and then you start to get conversational and people um you see how many people just don't read what yeah. you're saying or they yeah. miss what you're saying and then they <laughs> and it just becomes but i mean i'm i i just go block crazy like yeah. i block people for even saying like for even I've blocked people for not getting something I said just because yeah. I don't even want you on my in my I, world anymore. I love that. I love how people th- really believe that the the blocking is in any way a big deal, and it should be the most c- casual thing. It should be like that. Like, cool, you're not you're blocked now. That's not you know. It's yeah, only you, Twitter. It doesn't yeah, mean yeah. You, it, you I, don't yeah, need to I be into me. It's, like, it's just I don't want to have direct interaction and conversation. Yeah, with you. you're That's not, not a person rude. I want to. I want in my life and yeah. I don't care if you're a fan or not yeah. you're a fan of something that I'm not like you're a fan of part of me that I don't even like yeah, yeah. so yeah. bye or or somebody will just say I don't know somebody is like I think somebody even asked me like what I thought of like the Super Bowl or something yeah. and I just yeah. went it's, gone. It's just, you're gone I don't even so want because like, I don't I, watch anything yeah, like that I have that on on, 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 on Facebook as well and I think one of the weird things with social media is the assumption that everybody should have the right to be to want to know everything about you or be a, a really close there's tons of people that I like mm-hmm. but I don't need to know everything about and I don't need them to know everything about me yeah. so I've had, I've had people on Facebook before that I've unfriended or whatever who I've not got any issue with you just we yeah. just don't need to be that we don't need to have that relationship and people will often find that offensive which yeah. blows my mind I don't think that's offensive at all if someone said to me like I've, I've got people uh, 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 B. Dolan who's on my label and is, is one of my best friends and things like that he doesn't f- uh, f- follow me on Twitter or Instagram because he's like I used to just wasn't really yeah. into it just wasn't my thing it's like it doesn't change their friendship anyway no, it's like that's no, fine no. it's like cool that's that's social media that doesn't it's on not the, the real world we yeah. all talk in real life that's fine on the flip side of that I was at I was at a dinner last night and uh, one of the people <laughs> at the dinner one of their best friends they were we were talking about the yeah. what we're talking about yeah. now at dinner one of their best friends when he decides that he's going to unfriend someone on Facebook he calls them and tells them <laughs> that it's happening. <laughs> wow, that's so and dramatic. And why it's right. happening. Here's what you've done. And, and then he says, and I don't want you to talk to me anymore. Wow. Ever again. Wow, and that's then he dramatic. Hangs up. Like, but he does it every time. Like, the guy's nuts. That's brilliant. I'd be waiting for that. I'd be trying to instigate that yeah. just to have that experience. I'm, yeah, of... I'm, I'm calling you to let you know <laughs> yes. that I am, I'm deleting you from everyone, Facebook. Everyone, everyone. I've yeah, done it. Yeah. I've, managed, I've pulled it off. <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> That's craziness. Well, I mean, all that aside, it comes to the end here. Where sh- should people be f- following and, you know, potentially c- c- getting blocked? What's the – is it at Wes Borland? Is it anything more yeah, it's creative just at, than that? at the West Borland because some, some jerk took West Borland. Unbelievable. So. I hate when that happens. Yeah, I hate that too. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It's been good to Always chat. I'm a looking pleasure, f- forward to catching the show's tonight again they would have already happened now but um yeah i can't oh God, wait to we're playing tonight I you're forgot. playing tonight yeah that's why we're doing this at, at lunchtime so I you've drove got time to get into it here in london during rush hour for the first time oh wow and i don't drive stick and i drove <laughs> and i drove manual transmission in a cargo van in rush hour traffic my first time wow. driving on the other side of the road that's a hell of an experience it was a fucking heart attack I, I i didn't get in a wreck i had similar the first time i ever drove an automatic in america um, was I was meant to be going to 
<laughs> I won't go into any any details, but it's it's someone we both know. I was, I was meant yeah. to be going to a wedding with someone, and that didn't happen. So yeah. I was suddenly in America on my own. I was yeah. like, right, I've got. I was landing in in where was I in Boston? I think it was, and I had like a two hour drive um, in the night. So I'd, I'd landed at night. I was like, right, now I've got to learn to drive an automatic and drive for several hours on my own. It's an automatic or a manual? An automatic, but I'm used to a manual. So okay. as silly as it sounds, it so, is really weird. So okay. I, I scared the woman at the rental place because the the simple thing I had to learn was in a, in an automatic, just you only use one foot. Yeah. I'm so used to using two. So I'm accelerating and then I'm braking as I get there, which is making the car jump and go yeah, crazy. Yeah. So the woman at the rental place genuinely said to me, you're scaring me. Is everything okay? Yeah. And I'm like, it's fine, fine. Yeah. But... I believe that is the reason I now love driving in America because I had that birth of fire. I was thrown straight into it. I might have avoided it all the time, but yeah, I did I better. I, I drove it. again last night when there was a little less traffic and it was a little you had bit the less pressure. Experience of yeah. rush hour. Yeah, so it was a little bit better. <laughs> but actually, someone else did get in the car. Uh, did get in the car and said something's wrong with this transmission. Oh really? They said this is really weird. It's like not. So it's a tougher than. Yeah. It was a tough transmission. Yeah. So I went, all right. Yeah. I'm not having such. A, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not such a pitiful person. <laughs> I've done it. It's going to be okay. Anyway, well, anyway, I, I, shit my I, I now wish you more luck with the driving than the gigs because the gigs, you know, you know how to do that shit. It's the driving. Oh, we got the somebody to drive for the rest of the time. Thank Christ. Yeah, because I'm going to be l- lugging gear. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, yeah, I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Pip. You've been listening to Scroobish Picks, the Scratched Pieces. That was Mr. Wes Ball, and thank you very much for tuning in. And what an amazing chap and chat. Um, I loved uh, uh, talking to that guy. He's a fascinating dude, has done so many interesting things, and genuinely always seems to have me excited about what's to come. So that was good fun. If you enjoyed that, maybe check out the Frank Turner one or the Billy Bragg one. Um there's been some good ones over the weeks. Um, let's talk about next week's guest. Now, in fact, first I'm going to ask you to subscribe because it makes a big difference. Please subscribe. I mention this all the time. I mentioned I used to mention it at the start of the podcast, and I was like, so if you're going to stop the podcast to go and subscribe, but you're at the end now. So if you subscribe and do your little settings bit, if you set that to automatic download, it genuinely helps us. And I know you listen to this and thinking I'm not going to do it, but go on <laughs> this is for, for free in that so it helps us because if you do the automatic download it means we have a big hit of downloads at one time so we jump up in the charts and are, are therefore more visible and it helps to do that but as said we're doing two podcasts a week this week and the second one for this week is mr rob the bank who man it was so nice to sit down and chat with him i hadn't realized until we sat down and chatted how much how big a part of each other's lives we've been and that sounds crazy emotional but it was a genuinely emotional chat and one of the most emotional i think the rob the bank one and the kate kate tempest i want are probably on a par there for just it was lovely so check that out that's next week um until then subscribe follow me on twitter at scroobius pipio or on instagram at scroobius pipio or on facebook.com slash scroobius pips or until next week this has been the distraction pieces podcast Cheers.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 